said, uh, I want to share with you a little bit about uh, Takanah and what's taking place there and the vote that we'll be having on Sunday morning. Before I get started, though, with that, I just want to say thank you to, uh, to the, the members of the missions committee and the stewardship committee. Uh, the missions committee has been working through some of this for a while now, and uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, what's interesting is back in 2016, uh, this conversation first started happening about uh, reaching out to Guatemalans and reaching out to Guatemala. And uh, at that point, ah, I can see it back there now. Hey, thank y'all so much. That's good. I can put my phone up. Good stuff. At that point, um, we, uh, uh, Mike Malden uh, was the chairman of that committee, and uh, now Nancy Bruce is. And uh, it's just been a, been a, a great um, a great time working with them as they've asked tough, tough questions when they needed to. And, uh, and so we've been able to work through all of this. Also, just uh, want to say thank you to the, uh, the stewardship committee. Uh, I, all of this started happening really fast over the last, uh, really, I guess, uh, two months. And uh, so I, I went to stewardship. That's the next slide. I'm going to give them a shout out. There we go. I don't have my clicker. I had my clicker at 4 o'clock, didn't I? Uh, so I have to figure this out. Uh, so if I'm not, by the way, I'm not throwing Zach under the bus if I tell him to move a slide. Y'all got it? All right. And we're just trying to move along. But they, uh, they asked some tough questions and needed to. Because I came to them, we, we went to them, stewardship committee. I went to the stewardship on behalf of the missions committee uh, just, you know, a month or so ago, I guess it was, and, uh, and, and, and had this, hey, we got land and we can do something with it, uh, but it costs money. <laughs> And so uh, they asked the tough questions that needed to be asked. And, and so thank you guys uh, for doing what your title says, being good stewards. And so I appreciate that so much for you guys. Uh, the other guy I want to talk about just very quickly is Gary Udy and E3 Volunteers. Uh, and, and I say that because you got to understand, some of you may have questions in just a little bit when I finish this. And some of your questions, it's going to seem like I'm just pointing back to Gary or I'm saying Gary said or I'm referencing Gary or E3 Volunteers' experience. But so... For, for you to understand why I'm doing that, you need to know who Gary is. Gary is our partner. Uh, E3 Volunteers is our partner with what we're doing in Takanah, Guatemala. And it is an amazing organization. And uh, so I'll just give you a quick rundown about him. Gary's an IMB church planner back in 1978 to 1987 in Panama. Uh, matter of fact, uh, his house set just overlooking the Panama Canal. And if you look at those dates, you can understand that was an interesting time to have a house there. Uh, and uh, matter of fact, he moved out of that house uh, to Guatemala, and uh, one of his IMB buddies moved into that house uh, when we invaded. <laughs> you got it? All right, when we had to go take care of some business down there. And so he's got some awesome stories to tell about that. But anyways, uh, he also was the Associate Area Director of Middle America and from 87 to 96 and lived in Guatemala. And then from 1996 to 2011, he came back to the United States and pastored here in the U.S., and uh, he ended up retiring from Central Baptist Church in Douglasville, Georgia. He also founded E3 Volunteers in 2011. Now, what E3 Volunteers does is they partner with United States churches and Guatemalan churches, and they then use that partnership strategically to further the gospel, and in many cases, they have planted churches out of that. Now, when Gary met with us, one of the things that he said was that we were unique in the sense that we were a little ahead of the schedule because we had some people in our church that had already been thinking strategically about what we could do. Normally, when Gary goes in and meets with a church, what he does is, is he has to pretty much educate them from the ground up on how 
uh, Guatemala works, on how uh, church planning internationally works, on, on all of those different uh, levels. And he really has to do some visioning with them as well. He didn't have to do quite as much of that with us because he said we were a little ahead of the curve. Now, I want to say thank you to Beach Haven because part of the reason that that's the case is because of our heritage and because of our history with missions and because we're coming off of a 10-year partnership in Benin, Africa. And so we were able to, uh, John and I had many and many conversations about the things that, that you guys learned in Benin about what worked and what different didn't work and all of those kind of things and, and, and the, the partnerships that you had before that in Mexico and, and so many different places and things that you've done internationally. So what E3 Volunteers uh, does is they then send teams from these churches they partner with. Last year alone, they sent 55 teams to Guatemala. Now, they also partner with the Tennessee Baptist uh, Convention, as well as churches in Alabama and Georgia, uh, including uh, those two churches there, First Baptist Church Hendersonville and First Baptist Church Villarica. Both of those churches have planted churches in uh, Guatemala, and the one First Baptist Church Villarica, uh, their missions pastor now also helps and works with E3 volunteers because they like so much of what they did. And him and I have had uh, hours of conversations about First Baptist Church Villarica and their church plant in Guatemala, some of the do's and don'ts. And, uh, and he's really helped to establish a trust between us and E3 volunteers. Uh, just this past uh, six to seven months, they've handled over a million dollars from churches in the United States and churches in Guatemala. You got it? I say all that to say, for them, $65,000 is just a drop in the bucket, all right? And so I just want you to know that. Go ahead and, and go to the next slide. Uh, these are two really cool quotes, I think, about E3 Volunteers. E3 Volunteers is doing great things in Guatemala. Our church partners with E3V because through their efforts to spread the gospel, many lives are being transformed. In Guatemala, many lives are being saved and discipled. And in the USA, the impact on the volunteers who go is immeasurable. I thank God for the impact E3 Volunteers is making for the kingdom. This is from Dr. Kevin Williams, who is the pastor at First Baptist Church Villarica and who is also an IMB Board of Trustee member. So, if you're an IMB Board of Trustee member, you're thinking about missions a lot. You got it? And so I also want to add this just very quickly. I told the 4 o'clock class, class, group this later. Um, so I just want to share this up front with you guys. Uh, IMB used to be in Guatemala, but they, they had a drawback. You got it? There are only two IMB missionaries in Guatemala. They are in Guatemala City, and all they do is work with basically uh, small church groups, student groups, college groups, etc., to do some short-term mission trips. They bring them in, partner them, send them back. It, it, you know, it's kind of you get in, you do what you do, and you get out. All right? So that's not what we're trying to do. Okay? That's not what we're trying to do, and so that's why... E3 volunteers is who we're going through. And Dr. Kevin Williams, who is an IMB trustee, that's why he's going through E3 volunteers as well, okay? Go ahead and go to the next one. The Tennessee Baptist Mission Board utilizes E3 volunteers as our coordinating partner in our efforts to assist the Baptist Convention of Guatemala in accomplishing their mission to evangelize, disciple, and equip Guatemalans to win their country for Christ. Our work would be severely hindered without the assistance of E3 volunteers. Tennessee Baptists are thankful for this valuable ministry partner. And this is from Steve Holt, who works for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. That's the Tennessee Baptist Convention, basically. Like we have the Georgia Baptist Mission Board here. And what E3 Volunteers has done over the past few years is they have been the coordinating arm for the Tennessee Baptist Convention who has adopted Guatemala as a country that they're doing missions in. All right? And so that's what they have to say about that. Why do I tell you about that? I tell you about that because, again, there's going to be some things that I may say later where I go back to, here's what Gary said, and I just want you to know this guy is the real deal. All right? 
We vetted him, uh, there's, and, and he's, he's the real deal. Now, how did we get here? How did we get to next Sunday having a vote on $56,000 uh, to come out of our reserves to pay for a piece of land? Well, back in 2016, Mike Malden and Ryan Adolphson, who at that point were the chairman of deacons and the chairman of the, uh, the uh, missions committee, um, they began having some conversations with, with, with staff and some other guys involved. I think, Richard, you were a part of some of those conversations at some point there as we started talking about Indian Town. And uh, basically, uh, we, we were trying to figure out what was the next mission partnership for Beach Haven because we were just coming out of Benin. And in that process, there was a lot of strategic thinking that took place. Uh, Ryan Adolphson uh, is the guy that really did a lot of that strategic thinking, just to be completely honest. Uh, for example, um, I'm going to blame this on you, Dr. Mills. Dr. Mills wanted to go to Trenton, New Jersey. Y'all got it? All right. And then uh, I shouldn't have thrown you under the bus like that. I'm sorry. It's all right. All right. I thought they were going to laugh. They didn't even laugh. All right. Thank you for laughing now that I asked for it. All right. Um, and, and here's what happened. You might laugh at this part. Um, Ryan went and Googled Guatemalans in Trent, New Jersey, and guess what was one of the first things that popped up on the front page? Yeah, Guatemalan gangs in Trent, New Jersey. And so uh, it was like, well, uh, maybe we should go somewhere else because we might have a hard time selling our families on going to Trenton, New Jersey, right? Because they're going to go Google it. If you Google Indian Town, Florida, well, there's nothing in Indian Town, Florida anyways, except for that really cool hotel we stayed at, right? And so uh, that's about all you're going to find. And so, but what, what Ryan and, and Dr. Mills and some others did is that they, they looked at strategically where pockets of Guatemalans were in the United States. They looked at strategically uh, what countries in Central America, before they got to that point, they looked at strategically what countries in Central America needed help, uh, particularly because of IMB having pulled out and so forth. Um, and a lot of those countries down there are doing well. Uh, but in Guatemala, there's a lot of indigenous people. They speak an insane amount of native languages. And, and so through that, we ended up in Indian Town, Florida. Because what the IMB actually told us to do was, was to find a group of Guatemalans in the United States to partner with them, and then hopefully that would give us some credibility in Guatemala. Now, I got to be honest with you. When Ryan Dawson first told me that, I thought he was crazy because I thought, so you're telling me we're just going to go to some random place in the United States of America, and there we're just going to happen to meet somebody who's also from the exact same city we're going to want to go to in Guatemala. Yeah, what's the likelihood of that? That's right. Well, apparently, I am being up there talking about, and Ryan knew what he's talking about. Because what took place then is that we went on a church-wide mission trip to Indian Town, Florida, in the summer of 2017. And we began establishing relationships with potential partners on the ground in Guatemala. We originally, I, I didn't tell 4 o'clock this, I should have. We originally uh, had uh, looked at a people group that was a little further no north up in the mountains. And the first conversation that we had with Pastor Rodolfo, we found out that that's where he was from. And so I was like, man, that is awesome. Well, as we progressed, we found out that area is really, really hard to get to, okay? And so what we also found out, though, later down the road is that the majority of his church are actually mom and are from San Marcos, and a very large percentage of them are actually from Takana. Now, keep that in your mind as we move forward. You got it? All right, go ahead and continue. 
So we continued this partnership with Indian Town, Florida, and we took site visits to Guatemala to meet with missionary Paul Hardison and to meet Alvaro Lopez, who was the director of the Mom Baptist Association in the Mom Triangle region of Guatemala. At this point, all we really knew was is that there was a bunch of Guatemalans in Indian Town that were from San Marcos. And we went looking for somebody over there, and there was a guy named Gary Stone that used to be an IMB missionary who was no longer employed by the IMB. And he said, hey, I got this guy. His name's Paul Hardison. He's from a Southern Baptist church in Louisiana. He's not with the IMB. He's over there independently. He's an entrepreneur, et cetera. You guys need to meet him. And so myself and Ryan and Daniel, I think, if I believe, were the first three that went over. And uh, we stayed in, some, in a really cold house on a really cold night up on the top of a mountain and froze our rear ends off. But we also met this really awesome guy named Alvaro Lopez, who was the president of the Guatemalan Baptist Convention. And it was the first time I had cafecita, Guatemalan style, and I had a nice little chicken quarter that they cooked, and I'm not sure if I was supposed to be using the utensils or not because I think they were just washed in cold water and I didn't want to get a worm and all that kind of stuff. But I made it home and I was fine. All right, Sarah Grace brought the worm with her later, right? All right, but I made it home and I was fine. And so we met Alvaro Lopez. In the process of all that, we were learning about cities up there, and we realized that a large portion of, Gua of Indian Town came from Takana. So then we went back a second time, and on that second trip, Dr. Mills and Pastor Rodolfo, Pastor Rodolfo from Indian Town went with us. They made a side trip over to Takana. And in that side trip to Takana, Pastor Rodolfo, and Dr. Mills and Alvaro Lopez met with Pastor Rodolfo's father-in-law. Pastor Rodolfo's father-in-law was not a believer. He was following the ancient Mayan religions. And what took place is, is that they shared the gospel. Alvaro Lopez shared the gospel with Pastor Rodolfo's father-in-law, and then they left. But what took place is over the next months, Alvaro Lopez would go back and forth to Takana, Guatemala, to continue to share with Rodolfo's father. And it was through Alvaro Lopez that Rodolfo's father, or excuse me, father-in-law, that his father-in-law came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. So the story continues. Summer of 2018, we took a training mission of sorts to Guatemala, where we didn't want to take a bunch of teenagers and college kids up into the mountains, because to be honest with you, at that point, we were landing in Ishawan up in the mountains. And in Ishawan, by the way, we're not going there, okay? So I'll tell you this. In Ishawan, they still burn people in tires. Y'all got it? Okay. So one of the reasons we're not going there, all right? Uh, and so we're like, we can't really take our kids up there. So what we're going to do is we're going to hang out around Antigua. There's still plenty of indigenous people in the mountains down around that area. And we're going to train because one day these folks are going to have to go up in the mountains and do some work. So let's train with the indigenous people. Well, while that was happening there in Antigua, uh, Dr. Mills and Pastor Rodolfo were doing a pastor's training with the mom people, again, interacting with Alvaro Lopez. We came back from that trip really thinking that we had um, the groundwork laid for some really awesome things to take place. And then just a few months later, actually, I guess a few weeks later, we got really bad news. Click. Paul Hardison came back to the United States. They were having some issues. They came back to the United States. We lost our contact. There was literally nobody else that we knew of on the ground in Guatemala that was trying to reach the mom people and to reach anybody up there in the mountains. There were folks that would go up for short times, come back, etc. But we remembered that Paul's wife and Paul had mentioned this guy named Gary Udy who had a group of teenagers over there when we were over there as well. They were a group from Tennessee. And so we literally started Google searching 
this guy. And one of the first things that popped up was a Christian Index front page spread on him and his partnership with the Tennessee Baptist Convention and what he was doing in Guatemala and partnering U.S. churches with Guatemalan churches in the Guatemalan Baptist Convention. And so I picked up the phone and I called Gary. And in calling Gary, I began to have a conversation with him and I realized that, I mean, Gary had his stuff together. And I realized that Gary knew all the people we knew. I told him about Alvaro. He's like, yeah, I saw him the other week when I was over there. I, I started talking to him about Juan Carrillo and Tehutla, and he was like, man, we send groups over there and help that guy plant these churches all over the place. And, and we started talking about different people, and he knew them all. He, 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 was, he was asking about Paul and how they were doing. He knew all of these people. It was all the same circles. And what I didn't realize is while we thought that God was positioning us to, to, to work with Paul, what God was doing is he was positioning us through Paul to meet Alvaro so that Rodolfo's father-in-law would come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. By the way, Rodolfo, or Alvaro is still the president of the, Guatemala, the Mom Baptist Association, which, by the way, our new church plant will be in their association. But he was also positioning us even when Paul came home to find the exact perfect match that we needed to do what God was calling us to do through Gary Udy. And so what we then did is myself, Mallory, Dr. Mills, and Nancy Bruce, we all headed down to Indiantown, Florida. And we spent a couple days in Indiantown, Florida. We shared with them this vision of potentially planting a church in Guatemala, in Takana, because at this point we had realized, man, this is just not a coincidence. And so they, number one, were more ecstatic than probably any congregation I've ever experienced in my life when they're getting somebody from, you know, I don't know how many miles away we are from them. I know it's a long ride, right, to come in and say, hey, here's a vision. Why don't we work together? I mean, they were thrilled. And then the next night, we had 25 of their church members who have direct ties to Takana that had supper with us and told us all about the good, the bad, and the ugly of Takana told us about when they had left, told us about what family members were there, told us about what friends were there, told us about when they were going back. And so as a result of that, we began to plan and establish a site visit to Takanah with E3 volunteers. Go ahead. And therefore, in November of 2018, in January of 2019, the two vision sermons that Dr. Mills preached, if you remember, he threw up on the screen this plan for Takanah, Guatemala. And in that plan, he laid out for the fact that in May of 2021 uh, and that summer of 2021, we would like to send, he said 100 people, right? Y'all remember that? When he said 100 people, I was like, "Woo!" all right? Um, but it's doable, all right? Because we're thinking like over six weeks. It'd be like four teams, okay, over the course of six weeks uh, that would be there in May of 2021, eventually leading to the plant of a church that was specifically being planted so that it, by 2029, would send international missionaries. That's the plan. So, April 2019, myself, Dr. Mills, Pastor Rodolfo, went to Takanah, and there we met with city leaders. There's some of the pictures. We met with pastors. We met with church planners. We met with E3 volunteer coordinators. We met with school leaders. We met with health officials. And if you look right there in that picture that's a house, see the greenish, yellowish wall there? What you don't understand about that picture is this, and I just want to tell it to you. See the older gentleman that's sitting on the left? That older gentleman sitting on the left is Pastor Rodolfo's father-in-law. 
That's the guy that when Alvaro, listen, while Alvaro was going back and forth and sharing the gospel with him, we were having a hard time getting a hold of Alvaro because Paul, our, our connection to Alvaro, had come back to the United States. But Alvaro was fulfilling what God had called him to do, and he was continually going back and forth, and he shared the gospel with Pastor Rodolfo's father-in-law, and he came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And it wasn't just a, hey, I'm going to pray a prayer so I can go to heaven. It was a, hey, I'm going to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to take all my old Mayan uh, little gods and goddesses and all that, and I'm going to destroy them and get them out of my house. And what you also don't know is see the lady directly sitting to his right against that wall? Well, her now husband is a man by the name of Marco Tulio. Marco Tulio was from Takana. He went to, came to the United States to try to find work. Now, we know how he got to the United States. And so he got here and he worked. Before he left, he was not married, but he had some children by her, two children by her. And uh, Marco got to Indian Town, Florida. And in Indian Town, Florida... He went to Pastor Rodolfo's church, Primera Iglesia Batista de Indian Town, and there he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ, had a radical transformation that took place. He realized he needed to go back to Takana to, to, to marry the, the mother of his children and to be the father that he needed to be. And not only that, but while all that was happening, we're over here trying to figure out how to plant a church over there. And so now guess what's taking place? Now what's taking place is what you see in that picture is the start of the core for Iglesia Batista de Refugio in Takana, Guatemala. That's it. That's it. Because this month, Marco Tulio went back and he's starting a Bible study. And Juan Carrillo, the pastor at Tahutla, who is a church planning guru down there, is traveling back and forth and sharing with them and, and helping them. And Alvaro is traveling back and forth. And so there we have it, right there. In that picture. That's why we do what we do. Go ahead. So from May 2019 to now, stuff started rolling fast. Strategy was put into place with the missions committee's affirmation to take steps towards moving forward in Takana. We put out a, a letter in the, uh, there was an attachment in the monthly newsletter, right? And uh, hopefully you saw that back a couple months ago. And it laid out a timeline and a strategy. Dr. Mills shared that from the pulpit. I counted the other day, six times in the last eight weeks from the pulpit on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, Dr. Mills and I have shared with you about some of the stuff that's rolling out. And then recently, what took place is that land became available directly in the location that we're targeting. It became available 300 meters from the school that we're putting a roof on in November. What do you do with that? So there's two words I want you to remember as we get out of here tonight. Number one is the word strategic. There's been nothing that we have done with the missions committee, with staff, with deacons, with anybody that's been involved in this process that hasn't been strategic. But the difference between being good and being excellent is when you go from being strategic to opportunistic. And what we have in front of us is an opportunity. So what do you do with that? Well, what we did with it is I went to the missions committee. And I said, hey, we got land. <laughs> uh, this sort of happened real fast. I mean, I'd given them a heads up probably months before that there had been some piece of land that they had talked about, and it jumped in price. It, like, doubled in price because they realized there was American money attached to it. And so uh, we thought it was going to then be kind of a long process. 
we thought, well, we need to bide some time, and then we'll send somebody else up there so they know there's not American money attached to it. Because uh, the previous piece of land went from like $60,000, $65,000 to about $140,000 overnight. And then it sold in like a day. And so we weren't going to pay $140,000 anyways. But um, so I went to, we went to missions committee, said, hey, here's what's happened. Here's the, the deal. And so uh, they said, well, let's go to stewardship. And so I went to stewardship this past month, and I said, hey, guys, here's the deal. Uh, we've got this land. It's probably going to be about $65,000. We have Guatemalans on the ground, Guatemalan Baptist Convention president, uh, Pastor Juan Carrillo, who's planted, I think it's eight churches at last count over there in that area, um, the E3 volunteer coordinator, Kevin Cruz, who's, who's a genius, um, and, uh, and then their, their lawyer, of course, going with them, and then Alvaro Lopez has, has uh, done some things as well. And, uh, and so... Um, I said, uh, they're, they're doing all the, the finagling of money and so forth and figuring out what it's going to cost. Uh, but I, I just want you guys to know what's going on because we're probably going to have to move on this pretty quick if it, if it rolls. And then, I don't know, the next week, I guess it was, I got a phone call from Gary, and it was like, hey, they got a price. Oh, okay. Well, they're going up next week with the lawyers, and they're going to have to put some earnest money down, $1,300, because... $1, you got to get from Quetzalis to American dollars. And uh, they said, so we need to know what to do. So what's going to happen with that money? And Gary said, well, E3 volunteers can put that money down. You know, we'd like for you to pay us back. Uh, but, like, if we don't do this, you're going to lose it. So I talked with staff, and we said, all right, we got to do it because we can't lose it. So went, we, we had conversations with missions. We had conversations with stewardship. And what stewardship voted to do, missions agreed to pay 10% of the cost, which for $62,000 is $6,200. That's what the final cost is. $58,000 for the land, $4,000 for, uh, for uh, fees and all that kind of stuff, uh, legal fees. And so stewardship voted to request the remaining funding come from the church. Um, and so that's what we're doing on Sunday. So last week, once a final price and all that stuff was set, that's when we sent out that email. Pam sent you guys an email. She put the FAQ in there, and she put, again, a timeline of what had led to this point and where we're going forward with that point. All of that stuff is down here on the front pew. If you didn't get the email, deleted the email because you thought it was like mid-month newsletter or something or whatever, you can grab one of those before you leave, okay? Y'all got it? And so that gets us to where we are now. Go ahead. I want to show you a couple pictures. All right, the first one up here on the left is the area of San Marcos. That, that circle is not a triangle. I would prefer to have done a triangle because within the area of San Marcos, about where that circle is, there's a triangle. There's three volcanoes, and that makes up what's known as the Mom Triangle. On the right is getting closer into that triangle area to the San Marcos region, and what's circled there is Tacaná. You can see how close it is to the Mexican border. This whole city is the city of Tacaná. You can also see where all those, like within the city of Takana, there's not much land there. The bottom circle is La Democracia. Takana is split into little communities, and they each have a name. The bottom section is La Democracia. Keep this one up there for a second, okay? All right? Go, no, the next one. Yeah, sorry, there you go. This is La Democracia blown up. At the very top, y'all see the soccer field up there on the right? Right below it to the left, that first circle is the middle school. Y'all may have seen a picture on Sunday of Dr. Mills talking to hundreds of middle school students in a, in a basketball arena or a basketball gym, outdoor basketball gym. That was at that school. If you go down, the one on the left is that little community there is where 
Pastor Rodolfo's family lives and where Marco Tulio lives. If you go down to the right and you see the next circle, again, this is blown up. This is not very far. If you see the next circle, you see that is where uh, there's a little L-shaped building in there. That is the elementary school, the primary school that we'll be replacing the roof on in November. And if you go 300 meters south of there, going like you're going out of town, you see a bunch of plots of land. That's where we're buying land. You got it? It's 300 meters from that primary school. Uh, not very far at all. Clearly still just a couple minute walking distance up there to the middle school. And our dream was to find land really between those two schools. And what we were quickly told was, unless you want to pay a lot of money, that ain't happening. And so we found this land here. Go ahead. These are pictures of the land. Right now it's a cornfield. Bree said that we can do a corn maze because Matt is very proficient at that if we don't build a church. Yes. Go ahead. That picture, keep it there. See the houses back in the left? There's like some little buildings back there. One of those houses is uh, the house of another man who was also saved through the ministry of Indian Town, who Juan Carrillo just a couple weeks ago went up and baptized. Go ahead. That's right across the street from the, like if you're looking across the street and down the hill, that's the property. Like the property is where the picture was taken from. So it brings us to the figures. Cost of land, $62,000. Missions committee is covering 10%. That's 6,200. Stewardship committee is requesting on behalf of the missions committee for the church to pay the other $56,000. The Guatemalan Baptist Convention will own the land. They own all church land over there. It keeps them from becoming heretics. You got it? All right? That's an issue in developing countries. And then all money will run through E3 volunteers. And that's basically so we don't our money doesn't fall through a trap door as it gets from the U.S. to Guatemala. That's the best way I know how to put it. Go ahead. Primera Iglesia Batista de Indian Town will also be helping to pay for a small portion of the land the same way they paid for $15,000 toward the roof construction. We're supposed to be getting that check this week, I believe. It may already got here. $1,500, not $1,000. Thank you. $1,500. Thank you, Chris. It's 300 meters from the primary school. Here's the question that some people have asked already. It's 72 100 square feet. Um, they build almost to the road. They build almost to the property line. Um, the folks that have been over there can tell you and attest to that. Um, that's big enough for about a 6,000 square foot footprint at least. And they build up. Uh, you go three stories, that gets you 18,000 square feet in a three-story building. What we've been told based on numbers, even you can do like LifeWay projections of how many square feet per person and all that kind of stuff, uh, that that's going to sit. They, LifeWay claims you can get about 400 people in there. I don't know where they get that from. But easily 200 to 300 people um, just in that one floor of a building. People have asked questions like, what about parking? They walk everywhere. There's 3,000 students that walk to those schools every day. Those two schools, there's 3,000 students that walk to and from those schools every day. That's where we're putting a church. <laughs> It's a good sign. Um, also, uh, future construction cost about one hundred forty thousand dollars. A structure itself would cost more closer to the uh, or closer to the hundred thousand dollar range. But you got other stuff you got to do if you're building something. Uh, Indian Town has also said that they're going to give some towards that down the road. They actually voted Saturday and had a discussion about how much they could give towards this land. Uh, I'm waiting to hear back from them on the final 
uh, amount. They'll have another deal tonight because they meet tonight as well. Juan Carrillo, the pastor of our partnering Guatemalan church in Tehutla and a strategic church planner in Guatemalan Baptist Convention life, has stated that his church will actually cover the cost of hookups, et cetera, when the time comes. I say that to tell you there are other people on the ground and here in the U.S. that are putting skin in the game. I also tell you that to say one of the things I didn't put up here, which is really neat to know, is Marco Tulio was one of the driving forces behind that first $1,500 uh, that was raised in Indian Town. And Marco Tulio has said that his goal is for that core group to put some skin in the game as we go along the process as well. You go ahead. There's Marco Tulio, some information about him, Juan Carrillo, about Pastor Rodolfo's father-in-law. And then the fact that in December, there will also be some conversations with Juan Carrillo about identifying the church planner and pastor. There's a guy in one of these pictures that will currently remain nameless who could end up being that guy, but I don't want to tell you that yet because he's got to find out first. Juan Carrillo thinks he's the guy too, but anyways. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, almost everything down there is two stories, and uh, they said you can just keep on building up. So um, that brings us to question time. We got some time for questions. You guys ask away. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so we were told that, that part of the reason that we were given that 140000 um, if you if you do two, that it's kind of cheaper at one time. They said, I guess. Um, so that's part of where that figure came from. It gives us some. It would give us some flexibility on doing one or two. Um, most of the churches that get planted over there, when they start, according to Juan Carrillo and Gary, um, they they start with basically a worship space, some kind of little kitchen or something, and and a small education room of some sort. Um, but that's that's not that. That doesn't have to be the way. We could, yeah, if we've got the funds and money and want to roll that whole thing up in one time. Um, my, my, at this point, uh, I don't want to say my suggestion. At this point, Gary's suggestion would probably be uh, to build what you need for size right there to start with uh, and give yourself a big enough footprint. Uh, and then as they grow, allow them to start putting skin in the game on the, some of those additions. Yeah. Uh, 7,200 square feet. I'll, no, sir. Uh, if you did it, if you can get at least a 6,000 square foot footprint, according to Gary. So it'd be about 12, about 12, was that 12,000? 12, yeah, 12,000 square feet if you did two. And you're estimating $140,000. Uh, yes, sir. Okay. That's what we were told from them. That's a good size. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a good question. Anybody else? I had like 30 minutes of questions at four. Y'all got to ask something. What's the projected or what's your feeling about if, you, if we buy the land now, what does it look like construction would start? Oh, man, I, I don't really know. Um, and, and the reason I say I don't really know is there's so many variables. Somebody at four o'clock asked and said, well, why aren't we just going ahead and approving like 200,000? And I said, there's just too many variables. Right. Um, one is um, 
is from a standpoint of what we're bringing in for missions giving, what we're setting aside each year for, you know, there's, we set aside about 10 grand each year that goes extra towards missions for the next year. I don't know if you guys knew that. I just let the cat out of the bag. All right. Um, and uh, we started that this year. So if you're like, well, I was on stewardship last year and we didn't do it. No, you didn't. But we started it this year. All right. Um, so there's just so many vari- variables that it's, it's tough to know that. Yes, sir. Are we asking church members to contribute? I mean, you, uh, what we seem to be talking about is reserve funds that are already there. Yeah, so um, we would need, so basically the way the motion will actually come across on Sunday is, uh, is that it will, will be asking for up to that $56,000. That, that's, then that, yes, that's right, yeah. And so uh, that means, I mean, if we get, somebody give something towards that I mean we're not just going to stick that in the bank and then cut a check for you understand what I'm saying so to answer your question yes if somebody wants to give towards that absolutely and also uh, to piggyback off of that one of the things that you'll be getting from me uh, in the next probably three weeks or so uh, is that the missions committee and stewardship just voted on uh, a streamlining of our missions giving process Right now, and nobody, everybody like drops their jaw when I say what I'm about to say. But if you were to actually write a separate check for every special missions offering that we have or designated missions offering that we have right now, and you were to do that and budget it out monthly, you would have to write 72 checks over the course of the year. Um, so nobody's, I mean, I, I know nobody my age is budgeting out monthly like that to write 72 checks over the course of the year, right? So what we're going to do, and you'll see this in three weeks, we got to have one more meeting with missions committee just to lay out what we're going to call it and all that kind of stuff. But you'll get an email from me explaining that, um, or it'll come from Pam, the, you know, the server thing, um, the explaining that, hey, you can now write, you can now budget monthly for missions, and it will only require you to write two checks a month, 24 for the entire year. Churches that have done this, what they've realized is that one, especially people my age, that normally hit uh, Lottie Moon, and they're like, oh, yeah, Lottie Moon, let's give to Lottie Moon. And then Annie Armstrong rolls around a few months later, and they go, I gave all my extra money to to Lottie Moon, right? Well, now people can budget monthly for that, the way we're going to roll it out. And so, one, it's going to increase Lottie and Annie. But the other thing it'll do is it'll increase what goes into our designated and what goes towards Guatemala. Yes, sir. Uh, just, just to answer your question, the church has ample reserves that it doesn't need additional contributions. But what he's saying, there will, there will probably be a future needs for a building that they're intending to build. This specific request is only for the land. That's right. Yes, sir. And the church has ample reserves. Right. Uh, to take care of this, and right. uh, I believe there's, is there a Guatemala? Uh, account set up at there point? is a Guatemala account set up or you could give to the missions designated directly right and um, you've always been able to give directly to the missions as well as budget giving and also Christian concern and, and, so and I, that, that that'll continue but you yes can, you now will be able to give directly if you want to to this Guatemalan project right but it's not needed to for this particular, That's we right. have ample reserves. And, and also, Doug, one thing that I do want all of you to be aware of is that the missions committee has given $6,200 towards this out of that designated account. That does need to be replenished. Um, that does need to be replenished. So uh, Because one of the things that the missions committee has 
I mean, we're not draining their account by any stretch of the imagination, but one of the things that they have agreed to is to help offset the cost of every individual that goes. Well, the only way that works is if that's, you know, continually replenished. Um, so, yes, you can definitely still give to it. Yes, sir. Anybody else? We got time for just a couple more. All right. Well, I'm going to hand it over to Dr. Mills. Thank you, Tommy. Hey, I think, uh, I think the Lord deserves a clap offering for Tommy's work and Nancy and Ed, missions and stewardship. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you noticed on the missions committee and the stewardship committee, there are two people on each of those committees that are also on the Great Commission Facilities Committee. And so they're good with all of this and us doing all of these things uh, in this way. Uh, we're, we're doing this a little different than I think we would prefer to just because the lands come available. And uh, we're taking the opportunity presented to us. We really wanted to roll these things out in November and uh, go through a little bit more of a deliberate process and a longer education process with the church. But the land came available. And it doesn't come available often. There's no tax advantage in Guatemala for selling land. And so when it comes available, it gets scooped up. So we've got to seize the opportunity while uh, it is uh, there. And I appreciate so much our church being healthy enough, not just financially, but also in our fellowship with each other, to act quickly on something like this. And that's mark of a happy church. And I just want to tell you, uh, and I, I speak on behalf of our staff, you guys really make the ministry fun. You really do. Our kids love coming to church here. They're treated well. And when we've got to spend five figures or more uh, and got to spend money like this, you ask good questions, you got a cooperative spirit, and it really blesses those of us that are on staff. And we go home happy. We really do. I thank God for you. You all are just wonderful. And uh, I look forward to um, making these leaps and bounds forward uh, to reach people for Christ. With your approval Sunday, we will take an enormous leap forward in global evangelism. The hope is by 2029, they're sending international missionaries into the world. And that's where our heart is. We do missions, it results in missions. All right. Hey, let's stand together. Let me pray for you. I love you. Think the world of you. Tommy, you knocked the ball out of the park twice today. You're uh, two for two, and the bases were loaded both times, all right? Amen. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that you uh, love the world, and you're manifesting that through Beach Haven. Lord, John 3.16 is not an exaggeration. God loves the world, and they can be born again. And we want to bless you for that.